Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. Hey, if you brought a Bible, we're in Nehemiah chapter 8. We've uh, got a few minutes together today. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we are, we, we're, we've now come to part 3 of this message series we're calling Aftermath. Um, which, by the way, I've told you from the beginning, this series, six weeks long, runs in two parts. Three weeks, specifically geared toward the church. This is week three. And then starting next Sunday, we kind of pivot, and we, we go specifically gearing, targeting those who are not yet part of the body of Christ, people who need to know Jesus. In fact, if you want to get an idea of where this series is headed starting next week, I'll give you a sneak peek of what I'm teaching next Sunday. It's a verse of the Bible that maybe you've heard of, John 3.16. I don't know, have you guys heard that? Have you read that anywhere? A couple of you, maybe? If you haven't read it, you should go read it. If you haven't read it, I don't know where you've been. Um, But listen, I'm so excited. Next Sunday, I'm going to teach one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, anybody would believe in him, doesn't have to perish, but can have eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the message next Sunday. I'll bet you know somebody who needs to hear that. Anybody? I hope you can get them here or, or get, them to, get them online, joining, invite them to a watch party, whatever it is, starting next weekend. Every weekend that you bring somebody here, they're going to hear the gospel, but especially the next three, we're going to really lift up the cross in Jesus and pray that that is the ministry that our world needs. You believe that? So today's part three of Aftermath. Week one was kind of like phase one of, of life and ministry in the aftermath of disaster. It's triage. It's like, where, what, what needs my attention the most? That's, that's phase one. Phase two is reprioritizing. We covered this last week. We talked about how disaster has a way of redefining and realigning what is most important in our lives. And today, phase three in the Aftermath series, I'm calling this message, write it down, the new normal. This is a phrase that we've been hearing a lot in our culture. And the idea really comes from the the fact that in any transition in life, when something new kicks in, there's a set of new routines that begin to take place. The new normal. And this plays out in a lot of different ways, you know. Um, For those of you who are parents, you understand that before kids and after kids, life looks very different. Before you have kids, young married people, come on, soak those years in, all right? Because the day's coming, and you're going to love those kids. You'll never want to trade them. But, man, life looks different post-kids and pre-kids. In fact, you'll notice there's a, there's a whole new normal that kicks in when you're a parent because you start doing new things. There's, you, you're, you're starting to have new conversations. You're more, you're, you thought you were tired in college? Oh, you haven't had kids yet. That's cute how tired you were in college. You just buckle up. There's a whole new normal coming where you can't wait. You're, you're dream- when you go to sleep, you can't, you're dreaming about when can I go to sleep again. Like, you're so tired. So tired. You, 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 start having, you start having conversations with your friends that a year ago was one topic, and now you're sitting down with your mid-20s friends, and you're talking about, like, diapers and nap times and feeding sessions, and you're like, who are we? How did we get here? 
It's a new normal. It's not bad. It's just like it's, it's new, right? Uh, or, or maybe when you're in a new house, if you've rented or bought a new house or an apartment, you know how it is. There's a whole new set of routines that set in. There's a new drive to work. Maybe some of you, you just like out of habit, drove the old way. But there's a new routine. Or I remember uh, in the house that we're living in right now, we bought it, I don't know, five or six years ago. And I remember the first night we were in there, you know what it's like to sleep in, the, in, in your new house for the first time and there's all the new sounds? You're like, did we, did we buy a haunted house? Because uh, what is that sound, you know? Uh, uh, in, in our current house, what, one thing that we've learned since we moved in, um, the, the first night we were there, we didn't have any night lights anywhere in the house, so it was pitch black. So what I did was in the living room, there's a little slider where you can kind of dim the, the lights. So I, I turned the lights on, but I slid it all the way down to the dimmest setting just so that there would be a little bit of light if the kids got up or something like that. So what we didn't know was that the slider malfunctions. And at some point, when the light decides, it will go full on. So we're laying there like almost asleep, listening to all of the creepy sounds, and all of the lights go all the way on in the living room at midnight. And I was like, oh my gosh. Jen, go find out what's happening in the living room, because it seems dangerous. I'll call 911 from under the bed. Please go protect us. It's a new normal, right? So now we've learned there's a new routine that, that sets in. Or, or maybe for you it's an injury. You've learned now there's a new, there's a new normal. You, you walk with a limp. You explain your scars. You are learning to navigate with a wheelchair. Whatever it might be. There's lots of... When transition in life takes place, a new routine starts to kick in. And that's where we find ourselves in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8. We've tragedy is hit, recovery begins, and now there's some new routines. We've had, hopefully, I'm praying that God has begun to realign some of our priorities. You know, what's interesting is that some of the old things resume, but we also have some new things that begin to kick in. And that's where we end up in Nehemiah 8. There is the aftermath of the tragedy, um, context, the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down. Nehemiah got a burden on his heart to go rebuild them. He, he moved there uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, assembled a team. Last week, if you were here, we talked about the actual rebuilding of the walls and these unskilled laborers who did it in record time, according to Nehemiah chapter 6. And today we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 8, because what we're going to look at today is the reality that we don't just want a new normal. We don't need just new routines. What we, want, what we really want is the new routines to spark spiritual revival in our new normal. We don't want to just go on like pre-pandemic. We want to live in the aftermath and allow the new, healthy, normal things to set in that begin to change us spiritually from the inside out. Because just like Nehemiah, right, it starts with a physical rebuild. They had to physically rebuild the walls, but that's not enough. Some of you are physically like, you got to go get another job and you got to rework your savings account. There's some physical things that need some rebuilding in your life. But listen, your greatest need, my greatest need is not a physical rebuild, but is a spiritual restart. Come on, you with me on that? This This is our greatest need. And so I'm believing 
that this message from Nehemiah chapter 8 is a defining message for our church. I believe in it so much that in many ways, I pray this, this is the legacy that my life and leadership leaves and the, the footprint that awakened church leaves. We're in Nehemiah chapter 8. I wanna, we're going to read the first 12 verses. And then I want to unpack four things for us today that I believe if we will allow God to begin to reprioritize these things in our lives, it will not just be a new normal, but it will lead to spiritual revival in our lives. Nehemiah 8 verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. You could stop right there and tell this is pre-pandemic, okay? All the people gathered. No social distancing. No face masks. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Nobody was dozing off. And Ezra, verse 4, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. That's kind of interesting. This is actually the first mention in Scripture of a stage that was built for the proclamation of God's word. Kind of interesting. So he stood on the wooden platform. And it says in verse 4, Beside him stood 13 of his friends, that I'm not going to read their names. And verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. So if we're being biblical, you should just be thankful for your cushy chairs, all right? Because if we're being biblical, following Nehemiah and Ezra, you guys would all be standing. And he read for quite a while. I'll let you stay in your seats. But if you don't behave, I will make you stand, all right? And Ezra, verse 6, blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, these guys, whose names I don't want to read, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. And they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved. Here's a message our world needs for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on. This, this is the message our world needs. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't be grieved. Don't be sad. There's no need to walk down like we're beat up. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? I said amen. amen. Seven people. Verse 11. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Don't be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Four things. 
four things I want to share with you that I believe if, we will, if these will become our new normal, it will lead to spiritual revival. Number one, write it down. Prioritize gathering with God's people. Now, I am aware that it may seem kind of out of line or untimely for me to talk about gathering with God's people in a time where we are in a pandemic, and I understand that this looks different. But what's interesting is that in Nehemiah chapter 8, they have a large gathering of God's people that have come together to read and study Scripture. Because it was important that they rebuilt the walls with stones, but, but we need to remind ourselves that God will rebuild our hearts with Scripture. And, and we, cannot, we cannot afford to let this priority slip. In fact, if you look back on the history of God's people, gathering has, been, has always been a priority. All the way back from the Old Testament in, in the tabernacle, meeting together, or in the Jewish synagogues on the Sabbath, or the, the Jews annually making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover, or the New Testament house churches, these have all, it's, it's always been a priority. Now, again, I, I understand in a pandemic this looks a little bit different, but we have lots of different ways, even today in the middle of social distancing, that you can prioritize gathering with God's people. Some of you, those of you here on campus, we're ready. You're ready to come back and gather in person on campus. But there's lots of options outside of that as well. We've got awakening groups and discipleship groups and, and a watch party happening in North Clarksville right now and many more that we would like to start. And those are all great options, even if you can't, if you're, if you can't or you're not ready to be in a big group you have to have God's people in your life is what I'm getting at. This has to become a priority because, listen, gathering with God's people was never meant to be an event that we did on Sunday. It was meant to be a lifestyle that we lead, right? You're not following Jesus alone, and neither am I. And the moment I start to buy into the idea that I got to figure this out on my own, man, I'm way behind, I need God in my life, but come on, I need God's people in my life too. And so do you. I need you and you need me. So we got to prioritize the gathering of, of God's people. And listen, if the pandemic taught us anything, it's that you can no longer rely only on Sunday morning for your spiritual connection. Right? Because January, February, first couple weeks of March, there were hundreds of people sitting in these chairs on this campus that Sunday for about an hour was the only time they carved out of their week to have any sort of spiritual connection. And guess what? Middle of March hit, quarantine hit, and it was gone. Social distancing led for many to spiritual disconnect because church had become kind of an idol where we just leaned on that as though it was our only time to, t to meet with God. And, and that's, that's not the way that it is. Those who are still healthy today through the quarantine spiritually are many of us who have turned this into a lifestyle, not an event. Those of us who are, are understanding that even when I don't have Sunday, and I love Sunday, but even when I don't have Sunday, I've still got God's people in my life Monday through Saturday. Because I prioritize the gathering with God's people. And so large or small group, this needs to be a priority in our lives. 
I could say a lot more about that. But let's go on to the next thing. Number two, would you write this down? Prioritize studying God's Word. Now, let me just kind of help you understand the scene here. Um, When it says in in chapter 8 that they gathered and they started reading Scripture, this was not everybody pulled out their nice, leather-bound ESV Bibles with a table of contents and colorful maps and their own personal underlines from their time. And that's not at all what this looked like. They had one, maybe two copies handwritten of their Bible from the, of, of the time at the time that was on a scroll. And if you can imagine, it was the first five books of the Bible, the, what we would call the Pentateuch today, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was their whole Bible. Many books of the Bible that some of you have never read because you're like, Leviticus? Uh-uh. I, 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 no way. I tried numbers. I'm done. I, I ain't got time for that. Some of you haven't even made it through those. That was their only Bible, and it was on a scroll. And so Ezra stood up on the stage, and he unrolled the scroll. And check this out. It says in verse 3, he read the book of Numbers. He read Leviticus. It says from early morning to midday. We're talking like six hours of reading Leviticus. And, and people, it says in verse 3 and 6, were attentive, said amen, and clapped and cheered. And I, sometimes I got to get on to you because you're just like sitting there. And I talked for what, 35 minutes? In not Leviticus normally, <laughs> right? Like they were just blown away. This is God's word, and they leaned in. They prioritized the studying of God's word. Now, they hadn't always. This is in the aftermath. This is going to be a new normal for them. Now, let's get real here. When it comes to the prioritizing the study of God's word, this is not the priority for most Christians. Most American Bibles, I would venture to say, if they get used at all, get used about one-seventh of the week, Sunday morning. And you know exactly who you are. I'm not here to shame you. Listen, you know who you are. You're productive in the morning. It's not because you lack productivity. You can get up. You can go to work early. You go running. You go to the gym. You've got all kinds of things. Before breakfast, you got done more in your day than a lot of people do by noon. Not because you lack the ability to do this, but for some reason you can do all of that stuff and rarely make time for one chapter of God's Word. Send all the emails, go to the gym, go for miles-long runs. Listen, it's not because God's Word is hard to access. I mean, most American homes have at least one Bible, if not a few and if, even if you don't have that, you have your smartphone. Did you know that the YouVersion Bible app has over 1,200 versions of the Bible in over 900 languages? On your smartphone, at your fingertip. It's not because it's 
hard to access. Listen, the Bible, did you know that the, the Guinness Book of World Records says that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time? It's the best-selling, most accessible, least-read book of all time. And this is a bad commentary on the American church today. Did I offend you? Because if not, I'm about to. Um, (laughs) Stop the excuse that you don't have time. Stop it. It's It's not real. You have time. Every one of us has time every single day for what is the most important thing in our lives. When you, think about it, when you go to bed every night, you, everything that you devoted your time to that day in your mind was the most important things you needed to get done in that day. We all have the same 24 hours. No more of the I don't have time. Absolutely you have time to hear from the creator of the universe. I'm thinking you probably have time. You've got to make time. So if we're going to use an excuse then let's be honest about the excuse. Let's say it how it really is. I don't have the priorities for that. I, I, don't, I don't have the desire for that. I don't really want to do that. Come on, let's stop the I don't have time. You have time. You just don't make time. Again, this isn't like to shame you. I'm just saying like, let's, let's be honest. Because, you know, the devil hates all Christians, but if he likes one kind of Christian, it's a self-consumed, busy Christian that can, make, that can make time for everybody else, but only maybe an hour time for God on a Sunday if I'm feeling it. That's the kind of Christian the devil loves because we're easily distracted. We listen to everybody else's voice and not really the Lord's. And so it's no wonder then that the difference between the church and the world is almost indistinguishable. It's no wonder that we live in the world and we're supposed to not be of the world, but we kind of look a lot like the world because we're listening to all the same voices. And we won't make time to hear from the voice that matters most. we got to prioritize the gathering with God's people. but We also have to prioritize studying God's Word. And listen, here's the third new normal. In addition to studying God's Word, write this down, prioritize understanding God's Word. What I mean by that is not just reading it to say that you read it. Because there's a lot of people who have read it but don't really get it. They haven't really taken the time to go anywhere deeper. Verses 4 through 7, I skipped over the names of 26 men that were there, 13 on stage with Ezra, 13 Levitical priests in the crowd, helping people understand the reading. They prioritize. We're not just going to do a a religious ritual and unroll the scroll scroll and read God's word, but we want to make sure that people actually get it and it starts to sink in. They prioritize this, the Levitical priests. Now somebody's like, well, we don't have Levitical priests here. Well, that's okay. We have pastors. We have awakened groups leaders. We have lots of ministry leaders. We have people that are maybe down the road a little bit from you who have followed Jesus and read the Bible maybe a little bit more than you. But listen, when it comes to prioritizing the understanding of God's word, this is a two-way street. It's a two-lane street. Here's what I mean. You need to prioritize your own understanding of God's word 
But it's also important as the body of Christ that we prioritize other people's understanding of God's word. This is where discipleship happens. This is where we go out of our way to go, hey, listen to what the Lord spoke to me this week. Have you been keeping up with the Bible reading plan? Man, if you haven't, here's something that God really used in my life today. Or, hey, are, are, you, are you following along in what we're reading? Are, are you understanding? How about what if we got together once a week and just like talk about it, open up our Bibles and drink some coffee together and Let's learn what God is, is trying to speak to us today, right? And, and this is, we have so many different practical ways to do this. Of course, on campus, we do this on Sundays. But all throughout the week, we have to keep doing this as well. It's not just a Sunday thing. And by, please hear me, this is not just my job to make sure you understand Scripture. I'm going to do my best on a Sunday. But we need this all throughout the week. We need God's people in our lives. And this is, again, this is where we have awakening groups, we have discipleship groups. We have a watch party in North Clarksville right now that meets on Sunday nights that we, we would love to have more of these all throughout the week where people are gathering together in homes. And if you don't know what a watch party is, listen, it's super simple. Don't, let's not make it what it's not, okay? If you have a house and internet connection, you could have a watch party. It's that simple. Get some people together, probably eat some food because that makes everything better. Turn on, the, turn on the, the broadcast on our YouTube channel. You get, you get the worship. You can spend some, some time in prayer. You take notes during the message. And then right afterwards, you, you don't have to leave. You could actually get together and talk about what God just spoke to your life. This is important because the, the application and the discussion that can take place in this setting is kind of limited. But in a home... Man, there's, you can go deeper right there together in the moment. So all three of those have to be part of our new normal moving forward. Gathering with God's people, studying God's word, and understanding God's word. But those three don't matter without number four. Did you write this one down? Prioritize obeying God's word. That's the whole point. Not just be hearers, but be doers of God's word. So it's interesting, if we had time to keep reading, is that after the corporate study of God's word in verse 13, the leaders got together and continued studying. And what happened is what happens when you get into Scripture. It begins to illuminate things and bring things to, to your mind that maybe you've, you've stopped or maybe you need to start fresh. And they were reminded there as they, as they, got, as they got, got into Scripture together, Scripture reminded them of this thing that they were supposed to be celebrating called the Feast of the Tabernacles. This is an Old Testament feast that God had put into place to remind the nation of Israel how faithful he had been to them in the wilderness after the Exodus and how God had provided. So it was, it was kind of a fun thing that they did for about a week. They would make these shelters called tabernacles or booths. They were basically, it's kind of like they would set up tents, and they would live inside the tents, and they would have a feast, and they would read scripture, and they would just celebrate that God was faithful to not only bring them out of Egypt, but for 40 years take care of them wandering through the wilderness. Scripture took them back to this practice, and guess what happened? When they gathered, when they prioritized gathering, studying God's Word, understanding it, and then obeying it, verse 17, we didn't get to read it, but it says, there was very great rejoicing. 
Of course there was. Because anytime we begin to take in God's word and put it into action, I'm telling you, no matter the price, no matter how big the sacrifice, when faith and obedience combined, the outcome is joy, great rejoicing in your life. And for some of you who have made big leaps of faith and you've obeyed God when it didn't make sense, I I know I could have a conversation with you and you would say, even when it was hard, I'm so thankful I did it. Why? Because obedience, the outcome of obedience to God is great rejoicing even when it's hard. Now, I don't know what you were expecting from a message called the new normal. But I imagine somebody was, is thinking like, okay, so you're telling me the new normal is studying the Bible and obeying it? Like, aren't we already doing that? And I guess the, that question is up to you. I don't know. Are you? Are you doing that? I, I don't know. I can speak for myself, but I can't speak for you. Is gathering with God's people a a priority for you? Is that just like a one-hour Sunday block? I mean, that's a start, but are God's people anywhere else in your life? Is studying God's Word, not just reading it to check a mark off on your Bible reading plan, but is studying God's Word and carving out time a daily part of your life? I don't know. It is for me. Is it for you? I can't speak for you. Is, Is prioritizing understanding God's Word a priority for you? Meaning, you understanding it, and are you helping anybody else understand it? And I guess probably most importantly, is obeying God's word a priority for you? What happens when you get to a part of Scripture that you know God is leading you to do something and you don't want to do it? Do you obey? I don't know. You have to answer that question for yourself. And we cannot just watch a message, listen to a podcast, sit in a chair on a Sunday and be satisfied that we've done our Christian thing for the week. That's not, that's not the way that this works. We gather, we study, we seek to understand so that we can obey. And I understand that sometimes God's word makes us a little uncomfortable. That's called conviction. Listen, conviction is given by God's word and God's spirit to promote action in God's people. The point is, the reason God at times, lovingly and graciously makes us uncomfortable is so that we wouldn't stay put and just be the same people we've always been. If you feel uncomfortable, that's good because you're feeling something, right? If you feel uncomfortable, that, that, that can be a good thing as the Holy Spirit leads you. But listen, don't just, don't just feel good because you felt bad. Do something about it. Like, let's, let's put some, some action into this. Because I think if the world ever needed a humble, hungry, growing church, it's right now. I'm so thankful for a Sunday gathering where we can, I can proclaim the, the word of God, whether it's me or somebody else. I'm thankful that we can, we can broadcast the gospel like that. But this by itself is kind of limited. There's only so much time and space that we have in a setting like this for us to hear the message and then immediately start talking about how that applies to our lives and how I'm going to live it out. This is kind of limited. The rows of a Sunday are important, but listen, the circles 
Monday through Saturday are also important. We, we need the rose of a Sunday. This is good. We need to take in the corporate worship and gathering of God's people, but we can't let this be the only time we get around and talk about God's Word. We need some circles of people in our lives, in their living rooms, on their, on their couches, around coffee tables, in coffee shops, where we're just getting together and opening up God's Word and, and living this out together. Listen, if we will do these things as our new normal moving forward, I promise you, these will not just become a new normal. These will spark spiritual revival. I'm I'm telling you, if we will begin to prioritize these things, I believe we will see a move of the Holy Spirit in our day that will be written about in history books 100 years from now. Like people are going to be like, we want in our day to happen what happened in America in 2020. Come on, I don't know about you, but I want to live in that day. I don't want to just read about a great awakening. I want to live it. And how are we going to do that? We're not just going to pray for God to change somebody else. We got to say, God, change me. I'm where it starts. I, got, I, I know I got to do something. And if we'll let God change us, Who knows? The sky's the limit. God wants to work in us and through us, and if we'll just prioritize the things that are priority to God, I promise you, we'll never be the same. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.